You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. So, the question, are any of us perfect? You know, with the exception of Pastor Jose, of course, I mean, but are any of us without sin? Well, even this text of Scripture addresses that subject. What does it say there in verse 10? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, that's what the Bible tells us. And yet, John is addressing the subject of having fellowship, the prospect of having fellowship and communion with God. But at the same time, he's saying, hey, listen, we're all sinners. Some people think that you have to live a perfect life to have fellowship with God. They believe that the only hope for forgiveness for sins is to live a perfect life. The Bible says that all have sinned, so it's impossible to live a perfect life. But God has still offered forgiveness for your sins. Today, Pastor Mike will explain the difference between walking in darkness and walking in light. Pastor Mike will help you to understand what you need to do in order to have fellowship with God. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Walking in the Light. series in 1st John and this is the Christian and the world series we've been in this book of the Bible now for a couple of weeks if you'd like to catch up if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks or if you're here for the first time welcome but all of our messages whether on Sunday mornings or Thursday evenings all of those messages are recorded and they're archived and you can listen to them on our website at harvestnyc.org. Just click on the online audio prompt. It'll take you to oneplace.com, and then you can listen to those previous messages at your uh, leisure. So 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. And this evening's message, the title is Walking in the Light. And then this is a phrase that's pretty commonly used in Christian circles, right? Walking in the light. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? What's involved with that? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this evening. So with that said, let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture. And then again, this is where we left off last Thursday. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that is God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, and there's that phrase, the title of this evening's message, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So once again, this evening's message, walking in the light. Now let me bring you right up to where we left off last time. Last time together, we were talking about certain conditions. In fact, in this particular section, in the first part of chapter 1, we've been talking about certain conditions that have to be met if we are to experience true fellowship with God. And listen, let me tell you something. That's exactly what God wants you to experience. In fact, that's the very reason why we were created, was to have fellowship with God, to have communion with Him, to know Him in that intimate kind of a way that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And remember, John begins addressing this subject with the character and the being of God himself. That is, to have fellowship and communion with God, first of all, we need to begin with who God is. We need to wrap our heads around that subject, you know, exactly who it is that we're seeking to have fellowship and communion with. Specifically, Paul addresses of all of the characters and nature of God, all of the virtues of God that describe him, John specifically begins with the holiness of God. And yes, it's true that God is love, and God is forgiving, and God is grace, all of those wonderful attributes used to describe God. But John begins with the holiness of God. He emphasizes the holiness of God. Notice in verse 5, let's back up a little bit, and this was a part of our text Last Thursday, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if you weren't here last time, I'd encourage you to listen to that message, get a hold of it. Again, just go to our website where it's been archived. And so that's where he begins, in the holiness of God. But then notice, as a part of our text here in verse 6, then he shows us that we must be equally clear about ourselves. If we want to have fellowship with this holy God, we need to be very clear, equally clear, about ourselves. And what does it say there in verse 6? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so we have considered what may be called, if you will, the negative aspect of this, that is the prospect of having fellowship with God, the thing that might stand in the way, that does, not might, but does stand in the way of that experience of having fellowship and communion and, and knowing him intimately, is our sinfulness. John addresses that there, notice in verse 6. But now, the rest of the verses that serve as our text, we come to what we may call the positive side of this matter, That is, going forward now, verses 7 through 9. And John puts all of his emphasis on what we have to do in a positive sense to experience this fellowship and communion with him. That is, the positive conditions we must fulfill in order to make this fellowship possible and in order that it may continue. Now, after all, I want you to think about this. It's all about a relationship. And that's what Christianity is. It's about a relationship. If someone was to ask you the question, well, someone who really hasn't experienced true Christianity or, or they know that you're a Christian and they would come to you and say, so, so what makes a Christian a Christian? What is Christianity? What is Christianity all about? 
Well, if you were to simply, uh, just a simple working definition of that, it's a relationship with God. And like any other relationship, right, there is an exchange of commitments that are made one to another. And so that's what we're talking about. There's God's part, and then there's our part. Now, according to John, the first thing that we are to do, and this brings us to our first point. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to walk in the light. We are told that here in the text. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light. So that's our first point. We need to walk in the light. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? Are we to take that exhortation literally? Does this suggest absolute perfection? In other words, the people are confused about that. Do we have to live in absolute perfection before God, never blowing it, never entering into sin, to have fellowship and communion with God? The idea is there with that misunderstanding of what is being suggested here. The conclusion that someone might come to is the only hope of forgiveness of being a Christian is to be absolutely perfect. But I don't have to tell you that's an impossibility, right? And if that was the case, if that was even a possibility, then Christ would have never had to come into the world to die in our place upon the cross. Doesn't that make a lot of sense, right? If it was in our capacity to be able to live perfectly before God, then God would have never had to send his son into this world to die on the cross in our place. So, the question, are any of us perfect? You know, with the exception of Pastor Jose, of course, I mean, but... Are any of us without sin? Well, even this text of Scripture addresses that subject. What does it say there in verse 10? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, that's what the Bible tells us. And yet, John is addressing the subject of having fellowship, the prospect of having fellowship and communion with God. But at the same time, he's saying, hey, listen, we're all sinners. It's sort of like a, an oxymoron, if you will, right? So immediately we find that this phrase, walking in the light, as God is in the light, must be interpreted in terms of the way in which John customarily employs this picture. Now, to help us understand this phrase, let's consider the flip side of it. And that would be, what would be the flip side or just the opposite of walking in the light? Well, obviously, walking in darkness. Now, what is walking in darkness? And I don't want to emphasize this, but just to make the point, okay? You're not here to be to address the subject of how to walk in darkness, but just to make the point, what's involved in someone's life if they're walking in darkness? What does that look like? Well, it means living in the realm of darkness, being controlled and motivated by the ideas of the world and of sin, belonging to that kingdom that is the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of this world, a kingdom that is absolutely in rebellion towards God. And just a side note, you don't have to be constantly committing some foul sin. You can be a respectable person. You can be considered a very moral person. But nevertheless, you can still be walking in darkness. Why? Because you're outside of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? So there are tons of morally decent people, but nevertheless, they're a part of that kingdom of darkness, and they're walking in darkness. Now, if you address them, they, they probably wouldn't be able to uh, agree with you, you know, in the statement that I just made. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a pretty 
good person. I work for a living. I provide for my family. I'm putting my kids through college. And, you know, and, and that's true. They're basically good people. But nevertheless, they're still a part of that kingdom of darkness. You see, it is a realm to which people belong. And it is an outlook upon life in general. And so when we come upon this term, walking in the light, we can interpret it as the exact opposite of walking in darkness. It does not mean that I claim absolute perfection, but it does mean that I claim that I know I belong to a different realm. Do you know that you belong to a different realm? To the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God, as feeble and as unworthy as I am. And occasionally we blow it, right? And the Bible just tells us flat out that we blow it at times. In the book of Colossians, as it relates to being a member of this kingdom of light, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, there Paul, who is the writer of that book of the Bible, addressing the church of Colossae, he says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love. Let me give you another cross-reference for this. In 1 Peter in chapter 2, in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that's it. It is the kingdom to which we belong. And so if you've made that decision for Christ, if you've been converted to Christ, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you've entered into that kingdom, into that realm. And then it becomes our occupation to walk in that light. Now, what does that mean in practice? Remember, I suggested that we want to talk about what that looks like. So what does this mean in practice? And how do I know that I am walking in the light? Well, simply, we cannot claim that we are walking in the light unless we have repented of our sins. In other words, we are a people whose eyes have been opened to the whole doctrine of sin. We realize we were born in sin, and that by nature, by birth, we are all the children of wrath. In the 51st Psalm, in verse 5, this is what we were born into. The sin of our first father who was Adam, kind of was translated over to all of us. This is the way that we were born. We were born in sin. And the Bible tells us exactly that. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So we've come to realize that. We were slaves at one time. We were born under the dominion of sin and Satan. And at one time... We were living in the realm of darkness. But now, we've been born again of the Spirit of God. Our eyes have been opened to the truth, right? We've received the Spirit. We've received the new view of sin. And having seen it, we grieve over that sin. We now have a, a different outlook on sin and the things that we do. I mean, think about it. I, I didn't have any inclination of wanting to change the lifestyle that I lived before my conversion experience and before I was even exposed to Christianity. I didn't feel convicted over sin. My conscience never really was working against me. 
And I was just a happy person, you know, doing the things that I was doing. It was the, I didn't even realize that it was a destructive force within my life until God revealed those things to me. But after my conversion experience, I begin to grieve over my sin. We know what it is to feel a godly sorrow because of what we were. We've now become alarmed about ourselves. And I think that's what Paul was getting at when in the book of Romans in chapter 7 and verse 24, he cries out and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Are you familiar with that text of Scripture? There it is in Romans 7, in verse 24. That sense of grieving over his sin, right? So we become alarmed about ourselves. And we cry out, even as Paul cried out, a wretched man or a wretched woman that I am. So the point is, is that this is absolutely essential to being a Christian. You know, to walk in that attitude of repentance. And it's not a one-time kind of a thing. We've talked about this before. It's an attitude. It's uh, the way that we walk through life. And walking, it's a part of that walking in light experience. We continually walk in repentance before God. Because, and I'm not giving anyone license to sin, but more than likely down the road sometime you're going to sin. You're going to blow it. You're going to say something unkind about another person. Maybe you're going to stretch the truth a little bit. They call that a lie, by the way. Whatever. You can, maybe you're going to think an impure thought or do something underhandedly. It may be at work. Whatever. And uh, you fill in the blank, right? So anyway, this is essential to being a Christian. No one is a Christian. No one can be walking in the light who has not seen this, who has come to the place of, of, of grieving over their sin. So that's just a part of the equation. Now that brings us to our second point. And that is, after you have become aware of this terrible state of sin, that you're a sinner, this is the initial step, we then begin to move towards change. And this is, again, a part of this whole process of walking in the light. We move towards change. Sort of like, if I can use the example of the prodigal son. Remember, who squandered his father's inheritance, right? He wanted to experience all the world, what the world had to offer. And so even in advance, he asked of his father for his inheritance. And so what did he do with his inheritance? He squandered it on riotous living, the Bible tells us, until one day he woke up face down in a pigsty, and then finally he came to his senses. And like the prodigal son, it's recorded for us, by the way, in Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, in verse 18, he says, I will arise and go to my father. Think about that. Isn't that been our own experience at one time. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, it's just we come to that place of like, okay, enough is enough, and we find ourselves face down in the pigsty, whatever that pigsty might have been for you and, and for me. And then we say, I will arise and go to my father. And the prodigal son gets up and he goes to him, and he changes his whole realm and position. You see, this is a part of walking in the light. In other words, the Christian must do this. So it includes positive living. It does not stop at repentance and an acknowledgement and awareness of sin, right? Just saying those words that God, you know, forgive me of my sin, or even that I am aware of my sin. It means it involves a positive endeavor 
on your part, on my part, to live in a manner worthy of someone who has been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now, is that the way that you're living your life? And only you can answer that question. And listen, I'm not, I, God hasn't drawn you here to bum you out or to lay some kind of a guilt trip on you. But it's something that I think regularly we should examine. Take that inventory. Go through your life and what you're doing in the course of a day, the week, the month. Where are you right now in your relationship with the Lord? Can you honestly and legitimately say that you're walking in the light? Well, this is a part of that process. So what it means, therefore, is that men and women who walk in the light are people who are seeking God. You're seeking God. If you're seeking God, you're not going to be involved in these things that are a part of the realm of darkness. Our desire is to know him better. We are concerned about the glory and the honor of God. And therefore, we are extremely anxious to please God. We've come to realize that for many years, we lived in a realm that was antagonistic to God. But now, our whole idea is to be as different from that as we possibly can be. Are we striving towards that end? I hope you are. I'm sure that you are. Listen, God is our master, and we're concerned about righteousness, and we're concerned about holiness. Listen, there is no value in a supposed faith that doesn't lead to action. If you haven't taken notes up until this point, by the way, I robbed this. I ripped this off from, from one of my commentaries. This was something that I think we need to write down. Let me say it again. There is no value in a supposed faith that doesn't lead to action. I really like that. And so walking in the light means repentance, turning from sin to holiness of life. These are the ultimate proofs of the genuineness of a true Christian profession. It's what makes people Christians. It's that realm in which they are walking. It is the kingdom to which they belong. Now that brings us to our third point this evening. Now walking in the light also means I'm confessing my sins. Now this is an integral part of walking in the light. We need to confess our sins. You're going to blow it. We've already established that. And when you do, pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and confess your sin to God. What are we told in verse 9? Let's go back to our text. And what a, what a wonderful promise. Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't hold those things against us. This is the umpteen time, Phinezio, that you've done the same thing. You know, I've had it up to here with you. You've crossed the line. And I'm just going to remove my spirit from you. No, he doesn't say that. What a wonderful promise. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful and precious promise. Now, I want you to think about this. Isn't it true that light always reveals the hidden things of darkness? In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. The book of 1 John teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you, beginning on that very first day. 
and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org. You'll find them under the Resources tab. Come visit us, too. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org or join us online to worship through the live stream. Each Thursday, we're also meeting virtually to step back into the Word and worship the Lord. We'd be honored if you'd join us. 7.30 online at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given, and we'll use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In My Father's House. My heart, not be troubled.